Today, we'll talk about just how good this Florida Gators offense can be under Billy Napier. We'll recap Florida versus Texas A&M from last night, which was fun. And we'll wrap up by talking about Trey Mann and if he can build off his game versus the Knicks, only here on Locked On Gators. You are Locked On Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Lockdown Gators, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. We are available daily and free wherever you listen to the podcast. Happy Wednesday. I'm Brandon Olson. Twitter's WNS underscore Brandon. Uh, find my written work with whole nine sports and getting right into the football talk here. We're going to talk about just how good the Florida Gators offense can be this season under Billy Napier. And look, We've talked about this offense a lot here recently. We've been talking about the scheme. We've been talking about the personnel and how things fit. And for those of you that have been listening to Locked On Gators pretty much since I took over the show, oh my Lord, almost a year ago now, um, I've been talking about the wide zone as something that I really like. Um, it, it's the rushing equivalent of a vertical passing attack. You know, it, it, it's what Billy Napier is going to run with Florida. It's what he ran with Louisiana. It's what he likes to do. And that's great because, like I said, it's the rushing equivalent of the vertical passing game. You're far more likely to lose yardage in the wide zone when you're actually going wide, which is fair because you're also far more likely to bust out a big run and pick up 70, 80, 90 yards, 99 yards of your Montreal Johnson. You know, you could just do that. Um, which is fine because, you know, that's the same thing with the passing game. When, you, when you're keeping it short, that's fine, but you're less likely to gain things. Screens are the inside zone, the, the dives of the run game. Um, but we're talking about the wide zone here because that's what we're probably going to see a lot of. So, And also we know as far as the passing game is concerned, Billy Napier is going to like to take deep shots down the field, so challenging vertically, which if you've been listening – to locked on gators you know that i asked dan mullen to do that pretty much every week i pretty much every week it was challenge vertically give damian pierce the ball he didn't do either of those and he doesn't have a job now because of it um but you know we're gonna see deep shots downfield and a lot of screens and that's fine you know we saw a lot of screens last year and i like when florida runs screens because even without you know Kadarius Tony, even without Jacob Copeland, you look at the screen game for Florida and something makes it work. And the thing that makes it work is how willing and able the wide receivers are on the outside as blockers, whether that was, you know, Kamori Gamble in the slot, it's a wide receiver screen coming in, um, whether it's Justin Shorter outside, Xavier Henderson outside, the willingness of the blo- of the receivers there to block is big and those same receivers are here. So I am fine with the wide receiver screens. But Going back to the running game for a bit, as far as that's concerned, I've very, very openly said I'm not a huge fan of the individual talent on the offensive line. But I've been saying, when you're talking about the wide zone specifically, when you can get the play of an offensive line as a unit to outplay their individual talent, it can be just a beautiful thing. And then that's what we're hoping to achieve, you know, with with Rob Sale and and Billy Napier. Hopefully, 
they'll be able to get this offensive line to to play better than their talent, play up to what we want from them. Because if they, if you can get them working as a cohesive as a cohesive unit, I have no doubt they are more than capable of getting the job done in the running game. And then you look at the running backs that are on roster too. I'm comfortable trusting them. And it's like, look, there's a lot of question marks right now. We have not seen any of these running backs in an expanded role as a ball carrier, but I'm comfortable with who you have on roster to to say, look, maybe during spring camp, maybe summer ball, first couple weeks of the season, it'll balance its way out. Like, Like, we'll find out who's capable of just erupting in this offense. Right now, the only person we know that can do it is Montreal Johnson because we saw him do it with Louisiana. He wasn't, you know, um, he wasn't the bell cow, but but he was still that guy where he was reliable in the offense. He was. And so I'm fine with him taking the majority of the carries, especially early on, doing whatever you got to do to to win this game because – I, I like the running backs we have. I The offensive line, I've been very harsh on, but if you can work as a unit, what I've been saying doesn't matter at all. Now you take a look at passing the ball, and obviously the thing that always comes up when we talk about this offense, and it's especially going to come up now that we talk about what will this team do in the air, you have to answer a very big question first. Who's the starting quarterback? Because it's it's the same thing as when you're betting on the uh, on Super Bowl props, and it's like, well, which song's going to be played first at the halftime show? And it's like, well, at that point, you have to look at who do you think is coming out first, and that'll make that'll be your answer there. So that's what it is: is who is going to be the starting quarterback? Because obviously, we've spoken about these quarterbacks extensively, and we will continue to do so. But each quarterback has um, their their niche, I guess, like their strengths and their weaknesses, where um who should we talk about first anthony richardson he's always the guy that we talk about if anthony richardson is the starting quarterback expect a lot more deep passes and that's not a bad thing at all that's a great thing for a lot of people um just because if billy napier is calling plays for someone like anthony richardson he's going to call up deep shots and even if he's not dialing up design deep shots Anthony Richardson is going to try to take those vertical shots, which is fine with me. Like I, I'm, I have no problem with that. That's that's cool. As long as it works, I don't give a damn. Um, if it's Jack Miller, I think that we'll see a lot, a lot of RPOs, a lot more than we'll see with Anthony Richardson, and a lot more than we'll see with Emory Jones, because I think Jack Miller is is kind of built for an offense like that. Like you could look at. Uh, look at what Ole Miss was this past year. It was a, a very RPO-heavy offense. I mean, that's not a knock on the quarterback. Matt Corral is probably going to be a first-round quarterback this year, so not a knock on you if you're in an RPO-heavy offense. And Jack Miller can run that with a lot of RPOs. Um, I mean, Emory Jones is is the third guy to talk about, really. Uh, at this point, I think he's the least likely to get the starting job, which is why He's probably third in my head. It's to me at this point, it's between AR and Jack Miller. I think Emery's going to be here for spring ball and transfer out. Um, but I think if we see Emery, we see a lot more read options and straight up wide receiver screens. Very similar to what Louisiana did this past year on offense, I think is what we'll get if Emery Jones is a, is a starting quarterback of Florida Gators, which I don't think he will be. Um, and I kind of don't hope he will be. I love him. But if, and if he is the starting quarterback, I will support him. But I, I don't think he will be. 
Um, uh, but I mean, Hey, if it works, it works. I don't care. The best chance for the high octane offense is of course going Anthony Richardson, but maybe that's not the best chance to win. You know, I, I think everybody will acknowledge Anthony Richardson is the best big play threat on this team. Uh, and he is going to be the most high octane offense, but he's also probably going to be the most turnover happy offense. So maybe we go, Hey, you know, the defense isn't in a spot where they can really handle constantly being thrown onto the field. So we're going to put in Jack Miller and we're just going to take care of the ball and run the ball. And, and Anthony will come in for big plays, but for the most part, we're just going to have Jack Miller out here and he's going to run the RPO and we're going to work our way downfield. Uh, the offense, it, it, it could be, I want to say above average in college football this year, it could probably be a top top five sec school. Um, Cause I mean, you have to consider schools like Vanderbilt or the sec. Um, but even then, I don't, I don't even know if it'll be a top five SEC because you got South Carolina is going to get a lot better with Spencer Rattler coming in. And, and it's going to be different. But I, I think that this offense could be above average this year. Next year is when we're going to be like, okay, now they're ready to really ball out and they're really ready, then they're really ready to make things happen. It's the new year. So that means New Year's resolution time. If yours is about getting fit, eating healthier, doing whatever it is you want to do, make sure to include Built Bar in your plan. I'm horrible at keeping my New Year's resolution. I'm very open about that. Honestly, it's the best policy, and I ain't going to keep mine, so I stopped trying because I have an insane sweet tooth. But at least with Built Bar, I can kind of I can rein it in a little bit. Built Bar is coated in 100% chocolate. Most bars have 130 calories and just four net carbs along with 17 grams of protein. So, you know, if you work out, that helps. I should probably get back into it, but whatever. Throw out the hidden stashes, the Reese's in the desk drawer, the Kit Kat in the back of the cupboard, and just get Built Bar. So you don't have to feel bad. You don't got to sneak around. You don't got to feel like you're doing anything shady. Built Bar is also always coming out with new limited time flavors, so you'll never get bored. Use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off of your next order. That is LOCKED, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 to get 15% off of your next order at Built or BuiltBar.com. Now we're going to take a look at the Florida Gators versus Texas A&M game, which at the time of recording ended about 15 minutes ago. Um, and usually I take a little longer to prepare, but I didn't need to so much because I could talk about the first half where it's like, oh, well, okay, well, going into the game, uh, the Florida Gators were 16 and nine, which um, not great, but not the worst. Texas A&M Aggies were 15 and 10. So yeah. And the Aggies were on an, eight game losing streak and that game was rough to watch um i barely made it through the first half not without turning off the tv but i barely made it through the first half without vomiting it was just just so so disappointing and i mean at, at halftime the score was 27 to 20 in favor of texas a&m which isn't as bad as it initially felt going through the game because I mean, when you were watching the first half, if you watched the first half, you know what I'm talking about. If you didn't watch the first half, the Gators had the Gators started off. It was a on a four nothing run, um, and then the Gators, you know, they they, they were uh, tied six six, I believe, and then the Gators still had six points. Thirteen minutes into the game. Over a quarter of the way into the game, the Gators had just six points. Why? Because after they scored that sixth point, the, 
Oh, man. The Gators went on a scoring drought that lasted 7 minutes and 22 seconds. So they had spent, at that point in the game, they had spent more time not scoring the basketball than they did scoring the basketball. Um, that was ugly. That was really ugly. Um, and it's just like, I, I, I'm not even going to, you know, talk about necessarily just losing the game in general. I, I don't think that's going to be the focal point. And I don't think that's going to be the, the I don't want to say the narrative, because I feel like that if you say narrative, it's like, it's like, that's gonna be what we're lying about. Now, um, I, I don't want that to be the story, though, uh, because I don't want that to be the focal point. Because with most Florida games, you know, wins or losses, but obviously, mostly losses, it's about how it happens. Because we've seen it happen a lot this year, where Florida's down double digits at some point in the game. And they come back and win. Or they come back but lose, or they don't come back at all. But we've seen them be down double digits a lot. You look at the Oklahoma State game; they were down what sixteen at one point. Uh, Ohio State they were down twelve at one point, I think. Um, Ole Miss, I believe they were down ten. It's like at some point you've got to look at this team and you've got to say, "What is going on?" Like, like yes, it is dope to have a team that can just constantly fight back and has no quit in them. I will I will give them that credit because no matter how rough things have gotten, no matter how bad things have felt like they've gotten, this team has never once given up. And I give them credit because I would. If, if my wife was my coach, I would. Um, so you could, But you could talk about the Gators and their heart, we'll say. And I, I think you deserve credit for coming back from those losses. But I think you have to bring up the question of why on earth is this team always down double digits at some point in the game? Like, why is that something that they have to like, like they have to be down double digits at some point in the game? And how does Mike White still have his job? I look, I get it. I get a lot of people hate Mike White. I, I'm not a big fan. of I don't hate him, but I'm not a big fan of his. But I will ask the question, your team, whether you win or lose, is just seemingly always down double digits. And I think that's unacceptable, especially when you look at games like games like, like last night or at this point tonight, um, where you're losing, your team fights back, and they're fighting and clawing and Colin Castleton. Like we, I didn't I even mention Colin Castleton became... I believe it was the fifth player in program history to have a 15.15 rebound game. I haven't even mentioned that because I'm so hung up on this team's complete um, inability to really perform even relatively consistently. So it, it bothers me that I'm thinking... Oh, what about the losses? Because especially the way this game was handled towards the end was just I don't I don't think you get uglier than the way it was handled. I, I mean, you look at Florida being up with 20 seconds left, and they're up two with 20 seconds left, and they foul the three-point shooter. And he hits all three. So now Florida's down one with 20 seconds or 19 seconds left, whatever you want. I don't care. Um, that's that's not the important part of my story. Um, 
and they're down and then you call your final timeout which is fine i have no problem with calling a timeout there i think that's great but then it's like what like what was that final offensive possession it was just nonsense. It, Florida was like, okay, we, this is a really important shot. We have one point left. Like, this, this, what the, this is my impression of what the huddle went. Like, Mike White just going, hey, all right, all right, we're, we're down one with 19 seconds left on the clock. Uh, 19. That's it. You got 19 left. We're going to take the ball. We're going to dribble aimlessly. Then we're just going to do something and hope it works. That, that's that's all we're gonna do, all right, guys. All right, cool. Break. Like I I don't know what the thought was there, but that was just one of the worst late game management that or situations that I've seen. I don't I don't know what that last draw, what that last possession was, what that last shot was, what was going on. And I know that I saw people, um, people complaining about Lane wasn't the last one that touched. Yeah, he was. He was the last one to touch the ball. Anyway, not on him. I have no problem faulting him for that, or not even faulting him for that. I have no problem telling the truth. Um, right, you know, rather lose fair than win dishonestly, you know. And I mean, after this game, there are five games left in the season before the SEC tournament starts. Florida is, I don't even think March Madness bound right now. Got. Auburn this Saturday. So things are not looking great if you're Florida. And if Mike White misses March Madness this year, I think that if he's not fired, there will be just anarchy in Gainesville because it's just, it's unacceptable. Like I've said it so many times at this point, I don't even want to keep saying it, but you know, this is an average men's basketball team and Florida Gators, the University of Florida anything but average so you you, you got to clean it up that's just completely unacceptable but then we're going to talk about a more positive florida gator basketball spin in the next segment first anybody else make money this weekend because i know i didn't I'll, i'm gonna tell you like saturday i think i hit two yeah I hit two parlays and missed one by one bet um and it wasn't great for me after that. <laughs> we we look at Sunday, and I bet I was like, oh, I'll bet on I'll bet on the Boston game, you know. Before uh, I think it was Boston Hornets, um, where it's like I'll bet on the game before Super Bowl. You know, I'll have some money to throw around there. I didn't. I, I lost most of the bets. Um, but Bet Online is how I did it. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Super Bowl demolished me, so that was fun. But BetOnline.net even covers award shows. TV shows and reality TV. So if you suck at betting on your favorite sport like I do, try that. With real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine, it's the best way to place your bets and it's 100% free to sign up. You can use the website or their very mobile friendly website, which I mean, I, that's always how I do it. Betonline.net, like it's where the game starts and it's the best website out there, really. Now, taking a look at Trey Mann. The, uh, the 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 positive spin that we'll put on Florida Gators men's basketball. I don't care if he's not here anymore. He's still, I mean, less than a year ago he was playing basketball for the University of Florida, so he's there. And before I get into really, can he continue to build upon these performances? I want to talk about a little thing called irony here. Um, I spoke about Trey Mann briefly on Monday's segment about Florida Gators in the NBA. Um, 
and I spoke about Trey Mann, you know, still searching for his comfort spot, um, still still being inconsistent and unreliable. And, and yeah, he had a career-high 29 points against the Mavs, but then he, you know, he followed it up with like nine points and zero points. Um, and then this really funny thing happened on Monday because, yeah, Monday, Monday, um, uh, yeah, Monday was, was Valentine's Day, and I was near Madison Square Garden. And we were like, oh, should we go to the game? We didn't. We decided not to because I was like, ah, the Knicks suck. Um, and then Trey Mann played my favorite team, the New York Knicks, in Madison Square Garden. And, of course, the most New York Knicks thing happened. And I even spoke to some of my friends that are Knicks fans, and I was like, of course this happened. And, of course, it happened in the Garden where a guard scored his career high in points. That guard? Trey Mann. Trey Mann had his first career 30-point game in the NBA. He shot 9 for 16 from the field, 4 for 7 from 3, and 8 for 8 from the free, from the free throw line in the overtime dub for the Thunder. And the 8 for 8 from the free throw line is one of my favorite things. I remember when he was coming out of college, I was like, a lot of college basketball players suck at shooting free throws. Trey Mann doesn't. Um, so that was cool beans. Um, it's also great that he just beat the crap out of my favorite team and that I bet on the Knicks to win. They didn't. But I, I have a hard time being mad at him because, you know, he had a great game. Um, but then the question begs of, is this going to last? And... I, I, I like, I think that has to be the question after a 30 point game and a 29 point game, just a week or two ago, you have to go, well, okay. Can he do this consistently? Like can Trey man be Bradley Beal as in the sense of a Florida Gator that scores a lot, uh, play style wise, I'm sticking with my way more Trey young. Um, but I think that's gotta be the question because earlier in the season, you look at when the Oklahoma city thunder, when they were healthy, Trey Mann was a healthy scratch at times. Like he was just not playing. He was just inactive. Coach's decision did not participate, whatever you want to call it. I think those days are done. Um, I'm not sure about the consistent heavy playing time because he's now started, I think, 12 games in a row. And he, he's playing well for the most part. You know, he, he's not costing the team games. But you got Shea Gilgis-Alexander. He's coming back soon. He's ruled out. You know, he's been ruled out through the All-Star break, which is this weekend. Um, so he could be back as soon as, I believe, Monday. Um, Monday or Tuesday, uh, the Thunder play again. So he's out. You know, he's missing one more game, pretty much. Uh, Lou Dort won't be gone long. He won't be out long. He missed the game against the Knicks, but he played the game right before that. He's dealing with a shoulder injury, if I'm not mistaken. So he'll be back in the lineup soon. Mike Muscala's out, uh, James Robinson Earl is out, and the Thunder, they have one center on the roster in Derek Favors. So they're going more small ball than ever, so more guards are playing, so more Trey Mann is playing. But, I mean, the minutes soon will have to be distributed throughout everybody coming back, and Trey Mann will be a little bit of a casualty because of that. He's, he's not going to go back to did not participate coach's decision no but he's gonna lose minutes the question is though how many minutes will he really lose because Trey Mann, among active players on the thunder that have actually played consistent minutes and played often basically among qualifiers uh Trey Mann's got the best three-point percentage on the team among qualifiers um you look at 
points per game. And among everybody on the team, he's fifth in points per game. He's 8.3, but he's fifth in points per game. And that actually leads me to another thing. He's 8.3 points per game. He's fifth on the team. That's not a good fifth scorer that you want there. That's just 8.3, or not that he's not a good scorer that you want there, but 8.3 is not ideal for, for being fifth on your team. So that's not great. But I think once the lineup gets healthy, we will see Trey Mann a lot. I, I think that he will play less, but I think he'll still play a lot because you're looking at the Oklahoma City Thunder who are, at the time of recording this, because there are NBA games happening right now, at the time of recording this, the worst scoring team in the NBA. I don't see how you can be such a poor scoring team, see a dynamic player who can reign from three and who can create shots with, I mean, he's like, for an NBA player, he's already tier two or tier three in terms of shot creators. Um, I don't think how you can see someone who can shoot threes efficiently like he does for the most part, who can create shots on his own and say, and also be the worst scoring team in the NBA and be like, we're good. We don't need him. So I, I, I think Trey Mann will see less playing time, but I think that's the poor decision. And I think Trey Mann needs to maybe not remain in the starting lineup because it's hard to have that many guards on the field, on the court, especially when you have as many good guards as the Thunder do. But uh, I, I think that you've got to – I think he should be your sixth man pretty much. I, I think that he's got to play pretty uh, pretty consistent minutes. He's got to be your sixth, maybe seventh man coming off the bench there. But I, Trey Mann is well on his way to being eight, eight in a couple years, maybe even next year, a 20-point-per-game kind of guy. And I can't wait for that time to happen because I'm so excited for that. I love Trey Mann, so can't wait. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. Every day we are available daily and free to listen to the podcast. We'll be back tomorrow to talk more about our Florida Gators, which love doing. Might be time to talk about baseball. It starts Friday. For Lockdown Gators, I am Brandon Olson. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. You can find all my written work with Whole Nine Sports. That is W-H-O-L-E and I-N-E Sports. And I will see you all tomorrow.